This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. So a man named Eric Tadeo Ramirez from Laredo, Texas, was bragging about stealing $50,000 from a Mexican drug cartel. Now, this is going to come as a surprise to you, but he is now missing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just know that he's missing. It's been reported that after he was bragging about stealing the $50,000 from the cartel del Noreste. Uh, He was uh, then apprehended by the cartel at his home in the middle of the night as they arrived in a blue pickup truck and took him across the border back to Mexico from Laredo. It's all on video. Uh, Apparently, he tried to escape the truck when they were close to the border crossing and a I guess he had blood on his face and one of the officers at the, at the bridge said, yeah, somebody was trying to get out of the truck, but what are you going to (laughs) do? And so they threw him back in the truck and crossed the border. Now we don't know where he is. We don't know what he's doing. I have a pretty good idea, but I guess a few days later, We do have one person in custody, a Jonathan Cavarales, alleged member of the cartel de Nareste, came back across the border in the blue pickup truck, and he was then arrested. Now, he said he was aware that the victim had stolen approximately $50,000 from the cartel, denied uh, bond release, and got charged with kidnapping according to all the court documents. The rest of the men involved in the kidnapping remain at large. And Ramirez is still missing. So I would say this is just a good rule of thumb, and you can take it for what it's worth. If you steal money from the cartel, don't brag about it. You know what? You can quote me on that. If you steal money from the cartel... Don't brag about it. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. All right, two stories that show when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And if it's not, it's not. So skiers were on Mount Baker in Washington last month. And it was fresh powder and everybody's all happy about skiing. This skier from New York, Francis Zuber, who's been credited with uh, saving Ian Steger of Washington State's life, uh, who now recognizes Francis as his brother. No kidding. The video is amazing. He was wearing a GoPro, so it's all videotaped. Francis from New York was wearing his GoPro. All right, so he's you know, racing down the mountain and he caught a glimpse of this board that was sticking out of the snow. 
and he was with another group and they had proper avalanche gear and radios, but they went into the trees and they were so narrow that we all found our own avenues and lanes is what he said. And it happened to be that, uh, had a big tree well in it, which is a hole that he fell into. And he said he was going to die on the mountain that he's ridden hundreds of times. He went into this tree hole and was covered up completely. He was minutes away from dying. And when Francis saw him, he was like, oh, crap. Not the words he used. And the guy couldn't talk. Uh, He's yelling if I'm okay, if I can hear him. I I can't see, I can't hear uh, or see anything. Um, He... Francis ditches his skis, walks up the slope to Steger's feet, begins frantically digging him out. His tunneling efforts prove successful, which is awesome. And several down, he gets he gets Zuber's arm free, which was kind of free to begin with. Uh, it was sticking out of the snow, but he couldn't breathe. He was covered up with snow. His head was still engulfed in snow. I mean, he was he was living on borrowed time for sure. Uh, he was, according to the experts, probably five to seven minutes, uh, that he was buried and he was probably close to the point, you know, maybe the halfway point of survival time. And he finally dug the snow off of, off of Steger's face and Steger could breathe (laughs) and see amazing. Francis was like, okay, you good? Uh, you good? I got you. And so they took a break. Uh, you know, while he could breathe there for a little bit before he dug him out and he got his, he got his shovel out and, uh, he dug him out and then, uh, you know, they both live. Now you watch the footage and it is amazing, uh, what this guy did. It's amazing that he saw him. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just a, uh, it's a, a, a force of nature. Some would say, I don't know, an act of God that Francis saw Ian's ski sticking out of the snow and saved his life. So when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And when it's not, it's not. And you, you can quote me on that for sure. Another story that brings to mind when it's your time to go, you're going to go. And when it's not, it's not. We talked about the explosion in Pennsylvania, the chocolate factory, the candy factory that exploded Uh, Killed seven employees. The whole thing was horrible. They believe it was a gas leak. Uh, The footage was amazing. I mean, it just blew this thing to pieces, really. So one lady survived. Amazingly survived. Patricia Bourget wound up breaking her collarbone and both of her heels. She would spend the next nine hours screaming for help and waiting for rescue as firefighters battled the inferno and choppers flew overhead at the uh, R.M. Palmer Company factory, which is the candy factory that, you know, exploded. She said that uh, in an interview, she was a machine operator and uh, she was working, obviously. (laughs) She was just wandering around the candy factory. She said that uh, she and others complained about a gas odor about 30 minutes before the factory blew. She is angry that Palmer didn't immediately evacuate. She said the deaths of her co-workers, including her close friend Judith Lopez Moran, could have been prevented. Well, I mean, we hindsight is twenty twenty, right? 
So other workers said they smelled natural gas, according to their relatives. And so she said, speaking in Spanish over a video conference, her eyes bruised, her burned right arm heavily bandaged. She recounted the uh, brush with death. She was getting ready for a product switch that day. So instead of running a candy wrapping machine, she was helping to clean. So at 4.30, she smelled natural gas. It was strong, nauseated her. Uh, her and her co-workers approached their supervisor, asked what was going to be done. If we were going to be evacuated, said the supervisor, noted someone higher up would have to make the decision. She got back to work. Just before 5 p.m., explosion. And uh, she would have been on a ladder, was thrown to the ground. She heard screaming. There was fire everywhere, and the flames quickly overtook her. I asked God, why is he giving me such a horrible death? I asked him to save me, that I didn't want to die in the fire. She began to run. That's when the floor gave way, and she could feel herself falling into a long horizontal tank of chocolate in the factory's basement. She's only four foot ten inches tall, so she landed on her feet in chest-high liquid. The chocolate extinguished the flames, but she believes you know her fall is what broke her feet. The vat began filling up with water from firefighters, so eventually she had to climb out of the out of the chocolate tank and reached uh, the top and jumped into a pool of water that had formed on the basement floor. She swallowed a mouthful of water before surfacing. She grabbed onto some plastic tubing and she waited. She yelled, help, help, please help, for hours. No one came. She was, uh, you know, the pain grew stronger. The water was frigid. The main supply pipe for the building's fire suppression system had ruptured and water was pouring into the basement. She lost track of time, thought it might be, she might be there for days. It was nine hours. And believe me, those nine hours, I'm sure, felt like days. So the rescue dogs... Uh, alerted their handlers that a survivor would be in the rubble and now the rescuers carefully worked their way into the basement and they heard her cries. Oh my gosh. So she was severely hypothermic and banged up, conscious and confused, obviously, but uh, amazingly, she's alive. Now, she came to the United States 31 years ago in uh, from uh, the Pueblo State in South Central Mexico. She's worked for Palmer for four years. She said she's seeking accountability and uh, she wanted to speak so that this will be prevented in the future, she said. For my colleague Judy, I want there to be justice. And she's launched a GoFundMe campaign to help her out because her uh, recovery is going to be long and tedious. But her prayers were answered. She did not die. So again, I say, when it's your time to go, it's your time. But when it's not, it's not. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. So if you're driving around Miami and you're looking for the FTX arena, it doesn't exist anymore. I know, big surprise. Uh, FTX uh, collapsed, and so the deal they had for naming rights with Miami-Dade commissioners uh, fell through. But they just signed a new deal with Kaseya, 
uh, the uh, and everyone knows Kaseya, right? I mean, hello, they're the powerhouse in the technology space through sales of IT management software. Duh. They just signed a new 17-year deal with Miami-Dade for $117.37 million over 17 years, so about $7 million a year, to have the Kaseya Arena. Yeah, yeah, type that into your GPS. So I see where a Japanese firm has started to sell bear meat in vending machines. I don't know that I'd buy bear meat from a vending machine, but they've already... You know, started selling wild-caught produce already in their vending machines. So, good for them. Uh, the city of Sembuku is selling fresh bear meat. Yay! And I guess you know, it's popular with the tourists and with the locals passing through the city. Because, man, there's got to be a huge tourist attraction at Sembuku. I mean, I got it. It's Sembuku. And maybe it is. Maybe it is. It uh, sells for about 2,200 yen, which is about, I don't know, 10 or 11 bucks are in U.S. dollars for now. So it's hunted from local wild bears. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't want any, any foreign bears. We want local. This is all local wild bears. It's so popular that people are coming from all over to get this fresh bear meat. Now listen, most uh, wild bears, including black bears, are captured in the mountains near Semboku and killed by members of a local hunting club before being processed at the slaughterhouse. Most wild bears. So the restaurant, uh, the Sobogoro, installed the vending machine in a bid to make the bear meat a staple of the region and to put their eatery on the map for tourists visiting the area. So between 10 to 15 packages of bear meat, each weighing about 250 grams, are sold each week. Supplies can run low as bear hunting season is limited. Oh no. Oh no. Now bear meat, according to this article, tastes clean and it doesn't get tough even when cold. Although I would say that the bear meat that I've had uh, is kind of stringy, but it's not bad. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) and if you have a little bear meat stew why not throw it in there good to go right so in japan we have about 4.1 million vending machines in operation the most per capita in the world bear meat is not the on the only unusual food item uh in vending machines Uh, they have uh, insects beetles and they even sell hamburgers in their vending machines so in january a japanese whaling firm unveiled vending machines with whale sashimi whale steak and whale bacon in hopes of reviving sales of a food long in decline and shunned by many supermarkets damn it where can i find whale you just can't find good whale anymore (laughs) <laughs> so man you can find it in japan is where you can find it in vending machines okay now they contain whale caught in japan said the company spokesman all right it's about uh i don't know five bucks american money thousand yen <laughs> uh, wow anywhere from a thousand to three thousand yen now people are pissed about the uh, the whale food 
in vending machines. And they're not real happy about the bears either. But the whale has really got people all wound up. So, I mean, they're trying to expand the nation's whale catch quotas while the uh, animal rights campaigners are saying, hey, why don't you calm down on your whale meat, okay? <laughs> but uh, when you find yourself way, find, saying to yourself and your family, where can I find whale meat? Maybe have a whale meat, bear meat sandwich. Man, does that sound good, doesn't it? It sure does. Nothing sounds better to me than a little whale and bear sandwich. Yum, a yum. Maybe, maybe we put a little new Heinz on it. I see where Heinz ketchup has now got a f- three new hot ketchups and Heinz hot 57 steak sauce. Okay, I mean, I am a Heinz ketchup police officer. But uh, I don't know that I'm all for this. I believe in Heinz ketchup. And look, if you're if you're serving this at restaurants, don't be faking people with your Heinz ketchup uh, chipotle, or which is a medium spicy option, or ketchup with jalapeno, which is hot, and ketchup with habanero, which is even hotter, and also the new Heinz Hot 57 sauce. I I'm not big on those. But if you like it, it's probably the best on the market. And if you're going to sell it, it better damn well be Heinz. Okay? So, so, yeah. That's what I said. Okay, kind of sad news. I mean, we knew it was coming, but there's been a, you know, a little riff between Taylor Sheridan and Kevin Costner. So they're saying now that the last half of season five of Yellowstone yeah, it's probably not going to happen. So maybe next year, maybe. Ooh, that is uh, not real good. <laughs> uh, doesn't bode well for Yellowstone. Now they still believe that we have a deal with Matthew McConaughey, who is in the cards with either a spinoff or a role in upcoming seasons of Yellowstone. So we don't know what's happening with that. We know that... Taylor Sheridan has got all kinds of shows on his table, right? I mean, he is a busy, busy man. No question about it. He's got the new show that's coming out, The Four Sixes, which is his ranch uh, here in Texas, which he owns, you know, he owns. I know they always say it's part of his investment group. Okay. Uh, He purchased the 266,000 acre property in 2020 for $320 million dollars. So, and I'm sure all the stuff, all the shows that get shot there, I mean, he ends up paying himself back and paying the mortgage on this. No quitting. But it also will recognize uh, the ranch from Jimmy's storyline from Yellowstone. Okay. So Yellowstone season six will take place at the Four Sixes, which will set up the groundwork for another spinoff series. And remember at the end of five, uh, we found out that we were going to start selling uh, selling our beef ourselves like they do on the Four Sixes. So that's why they sent the cattle down there. Anyway, and so, I mean, the Four Sixes is this huge ranch that's synonymous with West Texas. And it's, uh, you know, it's a steeped in history uh, ranch uh, here in Texas. Then we have, uh, you know, possibly the Matthew McConaughey series. Then we have uh, the Bass Reeves prequel series to 19 or 1898. 
And then uh, you have the 1923. The Bass Reeves story is the first black federal peace officer. I'm looking forward to that. That will be that will be an awesome show. Then we have Tulsa King, which I love the first season of Tulsa King with Sylvester Stallone. That's up for a second season uh, from <laughs> from Taylor. So I mean, he's a he's a busy man. He's a busy, busy man. I would like to uh, say Taylor, if you need some help. You know, email me, chewingthefatattheblaze.com. You can reach out. I know you've got nothing better to do. I do follow your wife on Instagram, uh, from my Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. But I will say that there's very few pictures of you. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Uh, maybe because you're working and paying off the ranch that she's enjoying with your kids. I know. I get it. I understand, Taylor. But if you need help, again, just email me, chewingthefatattheblaze.com. Uh, anyone can email, email me at that address, or you can, you know, direct message me on Twitter at Jeffy JFR. You can direct message me on Instagram or Facebook, Jeff Fisher radio. If your wife needs a happy birthday or something, you know what, Taylor order a cameo. Anyone can order it at Jeffy JFR on cameo. It's not free. I'm sure you can afford it. No worries. So just let me know. Just let me know. episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda whether it's a breezy zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright chloe blazer for brunch find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com so the NBA, the National Basketball Association, will have labor peace for a few years to come anyway. Uh-huh. We'll see. Uh, the league and its players came to an agreement uh, this past weekend on a new seven-year collective bargaining agreement. It's still pending ratification, though that process is almost a certainty according to this. The deal will begin this summer and will last through the 2028-29 season. Okay. Now, uh, the one big thing out of this, or at least one of the big things for me out of the new bargaining agreement, they have removed marijuana from a drug testing system. Uh, yay, yay, yay. <laughs> so all the, all the NBA players will be able to just fire up that pot. Well, they're not going to be tested for it. And remember Kevin Durant, uh, told Letterman in his interview with David and his, uh, my next guest needs no introduction that, uh, he started smoking marijuana when he was 22 clears the distraction from your brain. It's like having a glass of wine in the same interview. He said he wanted to change the narrative around marijuana and it's crazy. People are in jail for 20 years for selling a pound. That is actually crazy. <laughs> so uh, they're no longer going to be tested or banned for using marijuana as part of a new agreement. Now, we'll see. I don't know how that's going to work out because in a number of uh, states, it's illegal. And I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's still uh, illegal federally. <laughs> so 
we'll see how that all works out. I don't know, you know, I, do I think that these players should be in trouble for smoking marijuana? Absolutely not. It's just insane. But that's the way it's been. And so it's done with in the NBA. Good for them. They also uh, worked out some uh, luxury tax deal with the owners because the owners were using this uh, tax deal to uh, sign players. Of course. I mean, they're going to use every advantage they can. And the players should use every advantage they have to get the most money they deserve. And no question about that. They... Uh, uh, did they change the policy? I guess high school players enter the NBA draft. Uh, and that was discussed, but they didn't do anything about it. So we'll see about that. And then, uh, let's see. We also appreciate there's a lot of benefit of really having veterans who can bring those 18-year-olds along. Uh-huh. And we're also going to have a big in-season tournament. I guess that's exciting for the NBA. I'm not a huge fan. I love. I do love basketball. And, you know, when I watch it, I remember how much I love it. I, I, truly. I mean, I watched college basketball the last week over March Madness. That's the only time I really watched it. I didn't watch any of it in the beginning. I kept up with it, but I didn't watch it. But when I started watching it again, I'm like, man, I miss basketball. I, I love basketball. I always had a hoop in the driveway. I always played. I do love basketball. Uh, and when I watch it or you go to a game, it's exciting. No question. But now it's going to be even more exciting because <sighs> just let me shoot the free throw. Okay, dude. So I'm reading this story. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> uh, clear my throat. Um, I uh, read this story about this uh, Michigan high school freshman, six foot 10 size 23 shoe. Now, apparently, he's had a problem finding shoes since he was about 13 or 14 years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. So Under Armour heard about the struggle and showed up, and they took a 3D rendering and measured his feet and got a mold, and they're going to create a shoe from the ground up for him. It's about a six- to eight-week process. Uh, I guess Puma heard about it. They don't want to be outdone, so they're in on the deal. He's got to go fund me page where, uh, you know, you can send money to help him pay for his shoes or whatever. Uh, Under Armour has uh, changed the trajectory of her son's life for sure. The mom's real happy, and the son is happy that he actually has a pair of shoes that he can wear. They're going to make him a couple pair at least so that he can have, you know, around town shoes and, you know, game shoes. He doesn't play basketball, but he does play football. 6'10". Uh, size 23 shoe. Yeah, he's a pretty big kid. Well, I then I'm reading this story about how uh, Shaq heard about the story. And Shaq, of course, wanting to be the nice guy that he is. And I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing Shaq on this. I'm just saying, you know, he knows how to get in the news. Uh, he heard about Eric's problems. And so he called him up and said, Hey, uh, yeah, I know, uh, I know the struggle. Uh, I wear a size 22. Uh, when I was a teen, uh, you know, my mom had trouble finding shoes for me too. So, uh, O'Neal, I guess, um, said, Hey, no problem. I'm going to send you five pairs of my shoes, which are size 22. Well, thanks Jack, but I wear a 23. Okay. I mean, I appreciate you calling Jack 
And uh, I know that I said uh, my soul left my body for a moment. I was so shocked. I was so shocked that Shaq would call me. Uh, and you know, uh, Under Armour's already been here, and they're making me a twice size twenty three, which is the size that I need. Shaq, not a twenty two. Sorry about it. Thanks for calling. I love you. You're a superstar, and I know you wear a size twenty two. But I appreciate you sending me shoes too small. Uh, that's some, you can quote me on this. That's a big ass feet. <laughs> uh, yes, that is some big ass feet. I mean, I've, I've worn a size 13, 14 from time to time, uh, in my life of 13, usually 13s. Um, uh, and, but man, that's a uh, size 23. Ooh, that's a, uh, that's, that's a big feet. <laughs> Six ten two. Uh, that's a good size boy. Uh, that's a good size boy. But hey, Shaq, thanks a lot for sending me five pairs of shoes that I'll sit on the shelf because they don't fit, okay? (laughs) He said that he was, uh, in one interview that I saw, he talked about how he uh, uh, found, you know, they would find it, they found it very difficult to find shoes that fit and he always had blisters. I'm sure he probably walked around without shoes most of the time uh, because, you know, if your feet hurt, you're not going to walk around wearing the stupid shoes that don't fit. You know, like those small ones Shaq sent. Those small 22s. Appreciate it, but I'm waiting for Under Armour's, 20, Under Armour's 23s to arrive. Okay? All right. Thanks, Shaq. Appreciate it, though. And I guess we're going to have to keep track of Eric and his football playing days. See how he does at 6'10", with size at least 23, maybe larger by the time football rolls around, he's in Goodrich, Michigan. And if you don't know where Goodrich, Michigan is, I'm holding up my hand now. Now, this is where Saginaw is, and that's where I was born at. And if you, uh, you know, if you go down south, if you, well, if you take 75 uh, down past, uh, well, way past, actually, if you get, you're going to get off about Grand Blank, and you're going to cut across. It's easier probably just to cut across and take 15 down to Goodrich. <laughs> so we got to keep an eye on Eric out there in Genesee County. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So another example of this administration, uh, the Joe Biden administration, not giving a crap about you. (laughs) Uh, He has implemented a plan to ban incandescent light bulbs from consumer purchase starting in August of 2023. Hey, that's this year, just around the corner. Isn't that special? Now, this is a reversal to the Trump administration policy that allowed Americans, and get this, (laughs) Uh, a Trump administration policy that allowed Americans to choose what kind of light bulbs they wanted to buy. (laughs) How dare the Trump administration let Americans 
choose. Okay. Uh, the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, who is absolutely agonizing. I mean the best. Uh, she said the lighting industry is already embracing more energy efficient products. So we need to push it along. Why? Well, because Americans aren't really buying into it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We know. Uh, they're just not buying into it enough. Okay. So according to this, 47% of American households, uh, used LEDs and have already increased LED consumption since 2015. 26% reported they had no main type of bulb in their home. However, 15% of the households reported they used mostly halogens or incandescent and 12% said compact fluorescent, uh, which are also banned. So here's the deal. All right. All the rich folks, over 54% of them use LED lights, but people that, uh, make less, uh, only about 30% of their homes, uh, use those lamps. Uh, so we need to help it along a little bit. All right. You poor people. Yeah. Tough, 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 tough. Sure. They're going to cost more. Sure. You're not going to be able to choose what you want to choose, but we need to help it along. Okay. Uh, look, the, the lighting industry is already embracing more energy efficient products. So this is just going to accelerate the process to deliver the best products to American consumers and build a better and brighter future. <laughs> uh, don't you know you're too stupid to decide what you need? <laughs> They're there to help you. Duh. And don't forget, uh, while we have uh, Saudi Arabia cutting back on gas, which we talked about the other day, uh, our president, Joseph Robinette Biden, uh, commented on it when asked about it as he was getting on the plane to go somewhere, who knows, uh, I guess maybe get some medical advice, uh, over the plane engines humming, uh, when asked about the OPEC deal, don't worry about it. It's not going to be as bad as you think. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, how do you know how bad I think it's going to be Joe? No, he was climbing up the stairs and we didn't want him to fall. So we didn't holler that question at him. So just remember, all right, it's not going to be as bad as you think. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. So when you're paying four bucks a gallon for gas, just know that it's not five. And what would you, what did you think it was going to be? Six? See, you're only paying four. So it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Okay, so I was looking at a YouGov poll, and man, I love YouGov polls. Uh, this particular YouGov poll claims that a quarter of the British public say zoos should be banned. What is wrong with the British public? Zoos should be banned? No one supports zoos more than this program, Chewing the Fat, and me, Jeff Fisher. And to even consider having zoos banned is something I can't even imagine. Apparently, also half of Britons, according to this YouGov poll, uh, think keeping large animals in captivity should be phased out. So I guess we should just let the large animals wander around? <laughs> okay, 7 in 10 Britons say uh, they go to zoos or wildlife sanctuaries. Yeah, duh. Including 28% who visit them at least once a year. 24% uh, claim that they never go to zoos. Oh my gosh, that's almost a quarter 
of the British public. So that would be about the same amount that believes zoos should be banned. Ha, 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 ha. So most Britons think zoos and wildlife centers play a positive role in the welfare and conservation of animals. Yeah, that's what they do. I see also 61% would oppose a ban. That's good. Yeah, we're not banning zoos. What are you kidding me? But this whole practice of keeping large animals in captivity being phased out, I'm not sure what... I think the captivity is a uh, general term, right? We believe we're calling the zoos captivity what we, what we want them in captivity over there in a bigger field. <laughs> okay, uh, so we don't want elephants roaming the streets and just free and going wherever the hell they want. But we don't want them in the zoos either. We want them, uh, you know, in a larger field over there. Uh, okay. I, I don't really understand that thought process. But they say that, uh, would you support or oppose phasing out the keeping of large animals in captivity? 19% say, yeah, they would support that. 33% somewhat support it. Ooh, that's not good. Uh, what, 52%? And 52% would, uh, you know, lean in toward phasing it out. Somewhat opposed, strongly opposed. 17%. I don't know. So those people that I don't know are going to get run over by elephants along with the 33 somewhat support and the 19% strongly supporting the phasing out of large animals in captivity. And I'd like to know, I keep saying elephants, but there's plenty of other large animals that we have in captivity. Where are they going to go? What are we going to do with them? And what part of uh, captivity do you mean? Because I think what they mean is just zoos. We don't want them in zoos. We feel bad. We feel bad that these large animals are in zoos. But they could be in the fenced-in area over there, so it looks like they have a bigger area. Okay? Then we'd feel better about ourselves. Oh. Okay. How about you support your local zoos? It's really simple. Okay? If there's a zoo that you think is below average, say something and maybe try to help them out. But the ones that are above average, and we've given you the names of some of the best zoos in the country uh, and around the and ar around this country for sure, and around the world, uh, you know, support them and do what you can to keep them thriving. <laughs> this has been a public service announcement from Chewing the Fat and Jeff Fisher. So, as I'm scrolling through Instagram uh, yesterday, I see a joke by uh, Rise Hendricks. He's an artist. He's got, I don't know, five or 600,000 followers. He's got, uh, I don't know, he's got almost 7 million followers on TikTok. Wow. And he is uh, considered an artist. So, I listened to his reel, and it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to share it with you because, you know, it's a joke of the day, but I'd rather have him tell you than me. All right. So this is Rise Hendricks with the Chewing the Fat joke of the day. And you can always follow him on Instagram uh, with under Rise Hendricks. So come to find out the barber that lives around the corner from me just got arrested for selling drugs. Just never know about people, man. I've been going to this dude for 12 years. Never knew he was a barber. It's crazy, man. 
Think about it. All right. So two for one today. Well, two jokes of the day. All right. So there's another joke that I've been laughing about for the last couple of days from Big Duke. 1313 on Instagram. Uh, Dushant Jefferson. And this is his joke. And he he's obviously tells more than this joke. He tells a lot of jokes on his Instagram, which you can follow. Uh, Big Duke 1313. However... Uh, just, and he's also got a YouTube channel, but this is Instagram. So here is the joke of the day from big Duke. I just, I need a smile. Okay. Stop looking at me like that. So all the body parts got together trying to decide who should be the leader. The brain say, I do all the thinking. I should be the leader. The eyes say, come on, man. You wouldn't be able to see without me. I should be the leader. The lungs say, come on. You wouldn't be able to breathe without me. I should be the leader. The stomach say, I feed you. I should be the leader. The feet say, come on. Y'all be stuck in one spot if it wasn't for me. I should be the leader. Then the anus popped up. He said, man, I get all the waste out the body. I should be the leader. Man, they all bust out laughing. They said, man, can you imagine the anus being the leader? They kept laughing. The anus got offended, put his head down and shut down. Next thing you know, the brain got a headache. The eyes became bloodshot red. The lungs started hyperventilating. The stomach got upset. The feet got swollen. They all got back together and said, man, you know what? Maybe the anus should be the leader. So to this day, all around the world, the assholes are the leaders. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no need for this, but think about it. and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.